fun of good, right? You have no problem with that, right, Mark? Just get into it. Get right into it. Uh, well, actually, first, I mean, we, we got to talk about Ink Master for sure. Uh, we had some similarities there, but we got a lot of catching up to do. I thought that Candy had always been editing out all the stupid things I said and even all the ums and stuff. Right. And I found out recently that she is not at all. And she kind of made fun of me about it. You don't listen to your podcast? Dude, I hate me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I guess I do by sometimes when she's listening to it, but I, I don't care for it. I hate my voice, you know? Wow. Well, I would figure for a guy who talks as much as you, you would like to listen to yourself. I do in my head, but I don't, I have an imagination of me <laughs> in my head. I sound so much smarter and so much. And my vocal tone too. I like a lot better in my head. <laughs> However, real life, uh, you know, the reality starts to set in and you hear yourself go, uh, um, or struggle for a minute or say something awkward. And you're like, Oh God. I think you sound like a good speaker when I'm listening to you. All right. I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything against it. I'm with it. I, I, I've, I've been learning to try and take compliments better, you know, mm -hmm. important part of life. I guess people are saying, Mark, how's your yoga today? Today I wasn't able to, to get into any yoga because of the hurricane prep stuff. I had to get straight to, so that uh, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, yeah, no self-care. Yeah, no self-care today. Sometimes it's, Sometimes you got to take care of more important things, but the most important thing is yourself. guess I should well, have wake up a little earlier. Yeah, to care for yourself before you cared for your house. Uh-huh. Well, what about thanking the sun? That uh, will happen as well. All this will happen after the podcast. Okay, right on. Yeah, I'm kind of calling you out on it now. Yeah. You almost have to. Uh, there's, things I, that, there's things that I tell everyone to do every day, and then I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing them. Shame. Only he well, would. I didn't do it today either. But yeah. but let's go over a little history past uh what we did yoga at the last two conventions. Yeah. I had the pleasure the two of the last Savannah, and then the following weekend was Tampa. Yeah, three days straight each uh each weekend. Maybe yeah, it wasn't three yoga bro, which is hard to find in the tattoo industry. You know, a lot of guys will see the pictures and say they want to join and then the hardest part, you know, and maybe these are active people that they just don't like to wake up early. I think that that for me, that was the hardest part. Right. But to be honest, something about uh, the energy of, of is it is it you? Is it the long and necker? When when I went out to I guess spot at your shop in Cocoa Beach, it's my favorite place I've ever guessed by. It's the most raddest shop and it has a beach right outside with waves that you can surf on. That are really big right now. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Are you worried at all about this coming in? Oh, the waves are already up hitting the dunes, hitting the uh, and coming up over the boardwalk. It should be probably in the streets. I would say by tonight. What's your plan? Um. Well, if it goes in the shop, I'll be there with the shop back. <laughs> okay. Trying to that now call call the friends of shop backs. And then we'll all be backing it up. Where do you put it? You got to go carry it outside, put it somewhere yeah. else, huh? Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't rise. You know, after after a certain point, you just have to leave. You know, you're at a risk of, uh, you know, my dogs will be in danger. Everything will be mm -hmm. 
you know, I just can't stay on this. There's water on the other side of me. Um, literally, I'm like, my house is on the water. So that's what I, my biggest fear is, you know, the ocean connecting to the river and then this whole place going under. Because we're at sea level. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it doesn't take much. And they're talking about 15 to 20 foot storm surges. Uh, how, how, uh, oh, my, like, well, now you got me slightly worried. I see why you're not thanking the sun today. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of stuff to do. I had a sandbag, and and I just flew in from, from Key West. I was in Key West, and uh, so I wasn't really prepared for it. So now now we're, we're, we're feeling pretty good. Okay. Well, well I, I'm going to want to keep touch with you a bit, or at least follow your Instagram just to make sure you're safe. Because at, at one point, I know the water's like you said on both sides of it. you got a channel behind your house, right? That goes out to the ocean. Yep. So when you say at one point we have to leave, like that's <laughs> right. Like at the point that you have to leave, if you'd been fighting it some amount, you're in real danger. You don't get a car out that way. You'd have to. Are the are the roads elevated in Florida to where you have to get to the point. No, I'd have to drive through it. So you'd have to get to the point where you think like, well, the shop back is only going to take it down so much, and it's keep rising, and it's going to. Now I got to think about driving through it, not and and abandoning everything just to get my dogs out and get out of here. You know, you got life life vests for your doggos. Oh yeah, <laughs> figure as much. Mark, uh, let's go over a bit of your history, if you don't oh, mind. Let's do it. Uh, you're a surfer, nothing else but like, right? Oh yeah, first and foremost, you know that's my one of my number one loves. Of course, tattooing is my number one love, but okay. as a hobby and as a sport, as a recreation, uh, surfing is in my blood and kind of creates my personality. And you know, surfers wake up early too, so the waking up early part has never been hard. You know, we all always want to check the waves, and and, yeah. uh, and that's why I was going to get back to actually at Cocoa Beach. I would I amazed myself. I, I slept there maybe four to six hours a night. Woke up every day ready to hit the waves, get beat yeah. up by the waves, and then tattoo all day, fall asleep, and it was no problem waking up. All right. I feel like the same thing with uh with the yoga recently. Yeah. I mean my, the idea is I think you'll get a better night's sleep if you wake up and you and you, you gotta do something. I, I I say you should do something the equivalent that'll make you sweat through a full shirt that you can wring it out, maybe fill up a, a glass of sweat. Like you that's your every day i think you should do that much yeah makes makes some sense because i have seen you drunk enough at <laughs> nighttime. Yeah. Dude, i remember one bus ride back i think it was in long island might have been new york it was a jackie rubino show and you and aaron is got fucked up <laughs> <laughs> like all, all that you had your cheshire smile on all right if you're familiar with the cheshire cat ear to ear yeah. grin perfect teeth shining in the middle of these neon blue lights falling all over the bus <laughs> not making a single single utteral sound that made any goddamn sense that's part i looked i was like oh my god mark's not making it to, to the gym tomorrow because we had been talking about going to work out right so i slept in and you text me in the morning pictures of an empty gym with just like with you in it and you were working out. You were sweating it out then. You sweat the the alcohol you drank out. Oh, yeah. 
force myself to. <laughs> I'm back. I didn't. I only had a buzz on it. I stayed in bed. Right. But and, what's what's this energy come from? Is it from the ocean? What? Oh yeah, I mean, I believe that. The, I don't know if the energy was helping me from the ocean that day in New York, but I do believe in the ocean has is a very healing place, and uh, you know, it's, it's. I believe you can. Uh, you know, like there, I, I work with surfers for autism, for example. Mm -hmm. All right, we take autistic kids to the ocean and we teach them how to surf. There's a lot of events or activities you can do with kids with autism to help them out. But once you take them to the ocean, like 90% of the battle, like you, you brought them to this magical place where it's a, it's a healing place. And then you get them in the water and you separate them from their parents and you put them on a surfboard and you start pushing them into waves. And you can really like, you can take a kid that uh, wouldn't make eye contact with his mom uh, you know, it doesn't want to hug or doesn't want to smile. And then you bring them out of a day of surfing and give them back to their, to their parents and they're hugging them and smiling and their whole, you know, like it really works. So that's, that's awesome. one small example. It's like, if, if I need to get my head right, if I'm having issues mentally, if something's wrong, I can definitely go sit on the beach, uh, toes in the sand and, uh, listen to the, the waves and start meditating and breathing with the, you know, the current and the ocean and, and there really is like a, a, a breathwork technique called like ocean breathing um, where you're kind of like breathing, inhaling as the tide comes in and exhaling as the tide goes out and, and getting in sync, you know, with nature and, and the rhythm of everything around you. And then you just get into the right zone. And there's nothing like I've been in, I've walked straight out of the shop in situations and just go sit on the beach and I come back rejuvenated and ready. And, you know, maybe if I didn't do that, I, I, I might've been choking somebody or, <laughs> right or something, you know? and how annoying to people around you is it that you can get this calm so easily oh i think it drives people crazy and then it wants to or you know push me more to to, to try to break me you know <laughs> right i wondered <laughs> so then you meditate more actually i even bring all of that up to say no you're not a sir i really wanted that in contrast because to start out you're 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 from Jersey, brother. Come on. Yes, I am. You're fist bumping. You're uh, Ed Hardy shirt wearing. <laughs> no, and and you are a DJ also. So like, you didn't leave Jersey behind so much. Were you surfing when you were in Jersey? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I had a a, a house at the Jersey Shore, right out of high school. <laughs> we were in Margate, so we weren't quite in that uh that snooky situation their beach area, but we definitely right. saw guidos like that. There's guidos. I, I, you know, I was, I was definitely familiar with that culture. That's not exactly me. You know, it's definitely gym um, tan laundry, not your thing. No, but I see what, I, what would it be? Meditate, yoga, surf. Yeah. You know, and I was into punk rock and grateful dead and all sorts of different things back in those days that they weren't into. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a beach house. But we all saved a bunch of my friends. We saved up money and we rented it for the whole summer. The thing ended up getting condemned. Um, they boarded it up before uh, our last week we were there. And uh, some of my surfboards got boarded up in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you get them back? Uh, no, it was crazy. Like, I didn't want to get a, any more charges. I already had. So the cops would come with okay. the news meter thing. And um, then they would like write noise tickets all the time. That was the main thing they would try to get us on because we're really loud. 
And uh, I know it's like, so who lives here? If somebody doesn't live here, we're condemning the house because then it's just a house with a party in it and nobody claiming it. So we started taking turns and we started collecting these these tickets. And uh, that worked for like the beginning, like the first couple of weeks, but then people would be ducking out and not not taking their tickets, you know? And it got to the point okay. where I was getting a lot, a lot more tickets than anybody else. And um, and I was at the very end of the summer. I was like, it's not my turn. I'm not going to go get another ticket. You know, and I had to pay all these at the end of the summer. And uh, I remember sitting across the street, like with my friends, just hoping somebody would step up and, and uh, take the ticket so that they could keep the party going or at least uh, get the cops out of there. Right. And uh, they just started boarding the house up. And I had surfboards in there, surfing every day and skateboards. And I just lost everything. You didn't. You didn't want to. You're resilient, but you already had all these tickets and possible charges, so you weren't going to go back in and get retrieve your property. No, because at that point, I think once it was already in the process of being condemned, and then that would have got trespassed. And yeah, it's your property. They yeah. can't board it up. That's actually a charge that they um, that they would suffer. If as they boarded it up, it's not a kidnapping charge, but it's definitely a theft charge if they take it away from you. So, not that you as a kid maybe knew your legal right, too. Yeah, and, definitely didn't. Yeah, that's your stuff, man. Come on. I, I was very easily manipulated by the uh, police. I like, I believe anything that they would say at that point. Right. I was there. I remember when a police officer um, told me, he says, uh, I believe, or no, we heard there was drug use and sales going on at this residence. I said, nope, not that's not me. And then he he looked inside the legal search and seizure. I didn't know. And he saw a bong on the table. And he says, that's a bong. Do you mind if we just come in? And Oh, do you mind if we just come in and talk? That's what it was. And I thought, oh, we're just talking. Oh, yeah, we can do that. When he arrested didn't for turn the bong? What's that? When he arrested you for the bong? Oh, I got arrested for a lot more. <laughs> it wasn't. We didn't do any talking. It was, it was, yeah, it was a bad, it was when I learned it. I decided to tattoo. I'd never sell drugs again. I decided if a, somebody wanted a joint from me, I'd give it to them. All right. It's been a lot better. As I'm sure, you know, once you dedicate yourself to, to something, you know, things start to straighten out for you. Yeah. I have, I have a similar story. That, and there's a point where I, uh, were you tattooing back then getting all them tickets or were you just a DJ and up surfing? No, I wasn't. I was. I was uh, probably doing some art, but I was on my way to art school, and uh, I wasn't really selling major drugs or anything at that point. Um, just probably just smoking some weed and, and partying like a high school kid does. Right. But I do remember a point where uh, I had I, I decided that I wanted to make sure that every penny that I made was from art only. And and then once I decided that it happened, you know, and there's a couple of times where times were getting tough and I, I thought about taking maybe a restaurant job or something. Mm -hmm. And you know, I see I saw a lot of the times where that can kind of kill your dreams for sure, you know, like yeah. I'm over here struggling trying to sell art and make make uh, my life as an artist, and then my friend is uh is working at a nice restaurant and bringing home, you know, a couple hundred dollars in tips every night. But he's hating his life and he's hating the people he has to be around and he's hating the suit that he has to wear and all the you know right. full complaints, but he's got this money. And I'm like, well, I could I could I could do that. You know, I got the personality to go talk to some rich people and, and serve them some steaks and 
Right. Yeah. And you might even excel at it, but then you might be giving up on a dream. Yeah. I, I had that happen to me when I was living in Key West. I got to a pretty, pretty close rock bottom point and uh, I was just hanging out at the, um, at the still not tattooing. Right. I'm trying to set my setting or my understanding. Were you tattooing at that point in Key West? By the time I got to the Key West, I was tattooing. Okay. And, it was hard. Uh, and uh, I was hanging out at this uh, raw bar. So I was just there and I was uh, kind of reminiscing about all this stuff. It's all, been like circulating in my in my memories and and um i got to see one of my good friends that i was tattooed back then and and uh you know so he's got like 30 years worth of tattoos on me it's pretty crazy and and you know, i even brought it up again how um you know at one point i knew he would give me a job because he ran this this really cool bar everyone hung out there and he'd always feed me for free and that was a a very key west thing i was trying to explain to my wife like locals take care of the locals and I okay. like, like you can go into most like the pizza place. So like as soon as they see you and know that you live there, you're probably gonna get a get a discount or get to eat for free, especially back in those days. That was definitely the the game plan for for all the Key West people. And uh I uh I love watching like the the oyster shucker guys, right? All they yeah. gotta do is shuck oysters and they're like sitting at the bar, they don't they don't have to know how to mix drinks, they don't really have to know anything, and they're like talking to the girls and having a good time, and they're like right up front, and they're like, That's the job I want, that's easy. And then people are tipping them and stuff. All you gotta do is shuck these oysters. Cut and, your uh, fingers right off. Yeah, like, well, they're wearing gloves too, like chainmail stuff, and okay. But um but uh, yeah, so he he even said uh, he said I would love to give you that job, and I know you'd be great at it. That's the problem, you know. You you would you would uh, schmooze everyone, and you would probably make good tips, and and then you would start getting more into that than your art. And right. Like well, you you have something that these guys don't have, so you need to keep uh, you know pursuing your dreams, and and you're you know you have a talent way beyond like uh, oyster. <laughs> Yeah. Who is this asshole that made up this elaborate excuse not to hire you? <laughs> My man, Big Mike. Right on. Is he? Uh, he's a tattoo artist as well as uh, owns the bar. He's the, he owns the bar there. No, he's just always been in like those kind of industries. Now he owns a like a a, a wine and pizza place uh, in the keys, and uh, just a smart guy and well known in that all the keys. And so he, you know, he, he helped me make sure I didn't go down the wrong path. Yeah. Did you get to thank him for that? Did you see him this time? Yeah, I always thank him a lot. Thank him for that. And he he has like the old tattoos from me from those days, and he doesn't want to cover them up. I'm like, sure. And like, I've already like done full sleeves around them. He doesn't even want them like uh, re-outlined or nothing. You know, he loves he loves that part of the story. The patina. What's that? We'll call it the patina. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is my boy Mark Longenecker, and this is his journey from a suck ass to an awesome artist. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, I, could I like it. That. You can see the whole journey like of almost like a 30-year tattoo career on his arm. Right, and how happy. You know, my wife was talking to me this just yesterday as she was watching a lot of artists um, complain about quality of artists around and put themselves on a high shelf. Yeah. But these, these several artists that we had known, we had known since they had first started. And so to hear this kind of ego-driven ad marketing campaign that they're running on, we're like, hey, I remember the mistakes, Mo. You know, like, 
think and I think there's something in that um that I kind of if we judge an artist at the beginning of his journey and decide that's who that person is, we're the fool. Uh, you know, every every artist I think that's ever been anybody or any I mean Picasso to you know anybody great has had several people tell them to stop that they're wrong that they're that they need to keep you know their role. I imagine. Um, I see a lot yourself, of, a lot you of have... that are above you will always like, um, especially if you're asking them for advice and then they see you coming up and then they have a hard time like kind of watching you succeed or or do better, you know? Like a lot, I, there's a saying that a lot of people want to see you do good, just not better than them. Okay. Yeah. That's a tough part about uh, have you ever apprenticed anybody? Right. Well, no, I, I I accept that from the beginning. I want I'm definitely making these artists that I'm teaching how to tattoo. The whole idea is to make them a better tattoo artist than me. Right on. I would figure you would look at it in that regard, and yeah. try to remove your ego, and and instead uh, have an ego about how far they've come, even beyond you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, how many of your artists are better than you now? Uh, <laughs> Let's cut you to the bone. <laughs> I can't think of, of ones uh, that, I mean, I, I took on a, a couple artists that were really good artists to begin with, so that they got they got in pretty fast. You know, they, if you're already a very successful artist, it feels like, or a good graffiti artist I had once, you know, I feel like that they excel pretty fast and they learn, like they pick up everything they already learn, they already know lettering and, and stuff like that. Or I had another artist that was like already selling paintings for like, Ten twenty thousand dollars before I even taught him how to tattoo, and he sold pretty fast. Oh, and I'm sure he has a great following. And you know, uh, if we had to, if we had to put our tattoos side by side and on an Ink Master challenge and see whose is better, I'd still like to think mine's better than all those people. Right, but, but, um, but that's not success for you. So that means that you failed. Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, those a lot of them aren't quite like the one guy didn't even really finish his uh, apprenticeship with me, and mm -hmm. both of them actually didn't. So I don't even really consider those 100% my apprentices. The apprentices I have now, 100%, I want to be tattooing better than me for sure. Right on. But I imagine you also want to use your time teaching to always hone your skills and keep yourself abreast of new techniques and yeah. art ideas. Yeah, I never stopped learning. I'm, I'm in a, I think I told you that I just started my first uh, thing. I'm in a seminar right now, a little private seminar of Joshua Carlton, and he's teaching me all sorts of stuff. Yes, you know? our boy Joshua Carlton, also yeah. uh, famed for not just his art, and 2009 Color uh, Portrait Artist of the Year, or was it? I think it was voted by Tony Rommel in Tattoo Society. He was the 2009 Artist of the Year. If I'm not mistaken, which quite an honor. I'm sure but, his accolades, his list is just long. Like he's definitely accomplished so much, and there's so much. That he and moreover, he's uh, with a podcast that has Hip Clemmer, uh, or uh, I don't know Hip's last name, uh, Matt Clemmer and Joshua Carlton on Tattoo Guardians. Yeah, very, very, very good. I just listened to it yesterday. Right All good is that. Um, uh, uh, Kyle Dunbar one. It's pretty good. Which one? I wasn't on that. No, the Kyle. They haven't been on there. 
The Kyle the Bastards. The tattoo oh. Is oh, yeah, it's straight to the point, completely off topic. Thanks for the plug, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I have hip coming on at some point, but, you know, sometimes these things don't work out. But I do love about podcasts that they're very reciprocal and like the better success my friends do. I, I mean, if you listen to one podcast, you're always looking for more is the oh, way yeah. I feel. And, uh, and, and so I don't think that it, it's not one of these competition things like, oh, fuck, man, Joe Rogan's doing better than me. Well, I'm gonna quit. Well, but, that, that podcast is dominating right now, and I, I I love it. And I make my apprentices listen to it and, and give me notes and stuff. And I mean, it's just exactly where I think like people should be like leading people in this direction of the tattoo industry. Like it's called the tattoo garden for a reason, right? They're like guarding like something that's sacred, and they want they want to sh- to keep it in the right direction and keep keep everyone like going something. The right- that's resonated with me if through their podcast, of course, Clemmer is, is, a. Uh, you think the guy could walk on water. He pretty much looks like Jesus Christ um, or you imagine what Jesus Christ would look like. You ever taken him surfing? I think about it. You had him walking on water. No, th- those two, uh, I've actually, he's from Ohio. Maybe he's been yeah. on the ice. That's walking on water. I didn't do a lot of Midwest stuff. I didn't, I was never like a, a, a huge realism guy. So it's like a whole new world to me to like, listen to them and, and to talk okay. to stuff. I like that, or at least in my life, two things, yourself and Matthew Clemmer, uh, I've been listening to you more and more often. And that started, uh, that's when I started doing yoga with you. We do finish yoga at some point in it. We thank the sun, mm-hmm. right? And I remark about that because that seems funny to me. But the more I thank the sun and the more I thank, uh, you know, I find more gratitude. That's one thing that Clemmer is big about is gratitude. And as I find that in my life, um, I'm a lot happier for it. So I don't know. Thank you. And also, you know, Clemmer, it's, it's weird how sometimes things will speak to you. You know, I've known Clemmer. I've known you all these years. And I'm st- I was still an ornery cuss. <laughs> you know, it took something. Every day with gratitude is the question. Yeah. I did today too. Actually, I knew I was. Uh, we were going to be talking, so I figured I better get. I better do a little bit of yoga and thank the sun, get a workout in. All right. Speaking, we we talked about apprentice. Did you apprentice Ryan Eternal from Ink Master season five? No, and it, it might. Uh, some of the story might seem that way, but no. Um, Ryan uh, came came to us as already as a tattoo artist and. Uh, I think, you know, the basis of the rivalry, which was, you know, true, uh, we do, do have, did have a rivalry. We actually do somewhat have a rivalry. Um, Still. Yeah. But I, I, then again, I would also say I love him and I would do anything for him. Um, but uh, I, I guess it all st- started with, um, with him. I felt like he was kind of like trying to make, learn or meet all my contacts in the tattoo industry through the tattoo conventions and, and uh, kind of like sidestep and go like push right through me. And like, like he even says, like, I want, I want your belt. Right. He's like, he knows that, that I've accomplished a lot and he, and he wants to come take it and, and he'll do whatever he can take. Like, <laughs> and some of it's like, you know, uh, but you're, you're a very sharing person. That's a funny thing. Yeah, I was like more than happy to, 
to like introduce them to people and stuff and and um and so much of it is uh is i guess what it really came down to is a tattoo convention where he judged and i i felt like he uh specifically made sure that i didn't win all right so that's that's like a real life story mm-hmm. and then when it came ta- time for the actual rivalry for the show um we could kind of use that I feel like if he really hated me and didn't want and, and wanted and I was his true rival in the tattoo convention, he wouldn't have given me the opportunity to be his rival on the show. Okay. Like, yeah. He actually, you know, I wouldn't do that. If I, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring the person I hate the most in the tattoo industry and be like, "Hey, come share this limelight in this amazing right, right, yeah, yeah." yeah. That's hey. actually a bit of reciprocity that is missing from. The political structure, I'm going to preach for a second. 1985, we lost the Fairness Doctrine, bring it back. Uh, but that back then, the Fairness Doctrine helped keep politicians on that same honorable because they didn't want to share their stage with some asshole and give him the possibility of a limelight, which yeah. was a mandatory. If you got on a TV show and you talked about a thing, your rival also had the same amount of time. Right. Anyways. That's me. I get off my soapbox. Fucking, uh, but Ryan Eternal and you um, kind of, it, he must have respected you as you're saying that. And I think that's what uh, Aaron is and Emily kind of talked about too. And a few others, you know, friends of ours have talked about we were rivals. Mm, kind of. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, some of the rivals, you know, definitely kind of drummed up for TV. And I'd say, you know, maybe even mine and uh, and Warren's was uh, obviously we were friends. Like we were hanging out the the, we, to, the night before we watched the uh, the the finale together, and then uh, I think we we wrote, we flew in the uh, plane, went to the airport together. You know, it's like saw like mm-hmm. we were, you know, and right. But there was things in our past that we could pull up. Uh, and use real emotion if we need to, you know, because yeah, there still is, and like there's still things like, like, like for example, like uh, I saw that he unfollowed me, right? So what? Yeah. So I blocked uh, so him, right? And uh-huh. I, I said, like, why, why the fuck would you unfollow me? And he's like, oh, and he tells me some story, and he's cleaning out this and that, and blah blah. blah. But I have this theory, like if you ever unfollow me, like. Um, and then you want to like follow me again? I'm not going to give you that opportunity. Like you, you can't just like be like, okay, I'm going to check in on him. Oh come on! What about second chances? Come on! <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Times I, and you're out. How about that? Anybody what if, if I see that and I think that we're boys or we're friends, I just immediately block him. I'm like, okay, right. you made no, that. I, we get that. I'm making a deeper choice. People, uh, people. I'll sometimes I, I don't ever really know when people unfollow me because I just don't care that much, I guess. But then, um, people yeah, will, will they'll, they'll friend me again, and I'll realize that they must have at some point unfollowed me, and I have to go back in our history, you know, and be like, what did I do? What were they going through? But I usually excite them back because, uh, I don't know, it makes me feel like I'm better than them. <laughs> Is that wrong? But back to back to the Ryan Eternal thing, you know, that was like our, our season was the first season that had a theme, right? The rivals. Yes. Yes. It seems like it would make you guys act up a bit more or, or play a part. Yeah. You know, it did then, it didn't. Did you feel, uh, you know, almost a performance anxiety or expectation 
of, of performance? Well, yeah. I mean, if it, if it came down to stuff that we had to do where we were rivals, then I would just go on to those emotions, like I said, of, of the times where I was upset with them and then use that. And then, and then it was real, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Robbie and Javo are probably the real most true rivals. Uh, and yeah. Uh, that's like 100% honest. Like the, these guys are brothers, like uh, brothers, of course, are, that's an easy rivalry, right? A lot of brothers are going oh, yeah. to the same industry, competitive in the same area. Of course, there's going to be a rivalry. So that was. I love both those guys, but it is tough to have both of them in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> So that, 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 that's like the most real rivalry from my season. And then, um, you know, the other ones, a lot of the other ones, you know, not so much. Mm-hmm. Just whatever. We're doing stuff for TV. Uh, and But that was the first theme that they, they tried to do, and that, that's what they picked. And then they had many themes since. How – it seemed like all the judges on there seemed to already be familiar with your work. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think a lot of people can notice that. And um, I think I, I might, may have been one of the first people that was there that had all had their phone numbers and stuff. I got in trouble for texting uh, Dave Navarro. They came and took the phone away and, and, t- and erased the number. Oh. Figured, figured out that we were talking. <laughs> Did you ever get his number back? Uh, yeah. but uh, That's funny. They didn't want me like, texting him during the show. And, and, and uh, we, you know, I said that we weren't talking about like the actual – uh, judging stuff or things that would affect the show. Uh, right. I would just send them goofy pictures of us and stuff and, and show them what's, what's happening. And and I right. guess they put two and two together once they realized that uh, a joke that they that he was laughing at that he already knew about, that he would only know about from the stuff that happened upstairs, you know? Yeah, no, help me with this. I want to, let's Batman this for a second, De- detective this. So he, they caught him laughing at something that they over they saw on his phone. Oh, uh, like uh, I, th- I think I sent him a picture of uh, of um, of uh, somebody dressed up funny or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Clay Dunn probably dressed up like a, he would dress up like a garden gnome and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anybody like if it was somebody goofing around or dancing funny or uh, Aaron in his tuxedo speedo or something. And like so, like if we would be joking around about it, it down on the floor, and he would already know about it, they would be like, "How does you know? How does he know this stuff? You know?" Right. And but uh, how did he? How did it get let on that he knew? Just because he was somehow inside of the joke too, was but, where Oliver and Nunez just like, "What the fuck's he laughing at?" <laughs> and that was, you know, and that was the thing that that alerted I, them. I don't know exactly which one or how it happened, but I remember they, they confronted me and they're like, uh, open up your, your contacts and and delete his number. And I had to delete it. And, uh, same thing. And, you know, I mean, who was like, it? Who came to you to say that? The, was it Andrea? Um, one of the producers. No, not Andrea herself. But um, hmm. I was thinking about her today and uh, how amazing she is and how everyone loves her. You know, mm-hmm. There's so, so much stress and. Uh, so, and so there's these producers are putting you in some weird predicaments and making you say stuff you don't want to say, but nobody ever has anything bad to say about Andrea, right? Like she is the biggest sweetheart. And just, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll give you a little bit bad to say about her. Yeah. Why? You got something to say or not? No. Okay. She's like, Here's, I, I do love Andrea, but at the same time, she's a sneaky bitch. 
I, I hope she one day listens to any of my podcasts because I wouldn't mind her knowing that I do love her wholeheartedly. And I find her to be a gracious person, uh, caring, loving. And at the same time, I know, I know that you control this shit. <laughs> Yeah, like, I feel like she's um, understand the main, main top tier person mm-hmm. is in my eyes, this sweet, loving, caring lady, woman named uh, Andrea. Yes. And then there's like, uh, there's all these like people under her that kind of got to do the dirty work. And yes, that she is aware that I are doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when um, I talked with her maybe a week ago. Um, I don't want it to sound like we talk because she actually doesn't text me back or return my emails at this point. However, um, I, I may have said some rude shit about Scott prior to his death, but it was it was crazy to watch him unraveling like that. And I felt that they had some kind of strange like con- like something like I don't know. Um, but I got to see her getting tattooed by Bubba in yeah. Nashville. And uh, so I made I made a day out of hanging out. I feel like that was great too. Out of all the people she could pick, she could pick any Ink Master. She could pick an Ink Master winner. You yeah. Know? She could pick Bubba, which shows that she cares uh, not just about. I mean, Bubba's an amazing tattooist, of course, but he's like yeah. a cool dude, right? Like that's another person. No, I, I don't. Uh, everyone loves Bubba. He's like so great. And she, when she says this is my favorite Ink Master, I believe it. Like, like she. she I think it's cool that she would pick him over the other people. Did she already get tattooed by Ryan Ashley? Oh, I don't know. But if she got a full sleeve from Bubba, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I was just like, when I when I go to favorites, I, I feel like there is an obvious favorite somehow with Ryan, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. She was on two or three vehicles that she started, right? And I mean, she's on the judging panel now. I don't doubt that Andrea had some small part of that, you know? I'm sure. But again, not to talk conspiracy. That is one of the things that she would, would like. Well, now we're talking about conspiracy and she would try to get off of any kind of idea of conspiratorial workings against or for people as contestants. However, the, there's an irony to me about that. And that is that the show by itself is conspiring either for or against the contestants 100 percent. Because there are people who are working behind the scenes, many times unknown, and their motives are to get drama, not to not to help people perform better. Yeah. So that is a conspiracy of some sorts. And I, I don't I feel like you and I suffered of some sort like that. I, uh, when the judges knew your work prior, it didn't seem like it helped you. It seemed like it made them give critiques that were more based on where the, their expectations of where you should be now because of where they knew you before not judging it on the piece itself yeah so if you're a fresh face and you walk in there you're being judged against the other people if they've seen you work you know Nunez is, is like is doing a half sleeve off of a sleeve that i did and remembers that it was cool looking and you know and uh oliver peck's seen my work and in like i feel like once once that's already in their minds then they're like you're better than this. You know, it's like you're being judged against what you're capable of doing outside of that. And they, they, they'll they say, they even said stuff like that, you know? And so, so it's pretty clear and apparent that I'm being judged against what I, what I would, what I would do in my shop or what I would do at a tattoo convention while the other mm-hmm. people are being judged against each other. And it just felt like a lot more added pressure. 
did you feel like that their their knowledge of you helped you get cast at all yeah Not in like they didn't pull for you but you know when you say i know these guys i've met these guys i sent uh navarro a painting yeah and th- he commented on his instagram or twitter about am i wrong yeah, that started like a year before I, I yeah. painted the only Dave Navarro can judge me. That's how I ended up with his phone number. And uh, okay, what well, he he re- reached out to you and said, "Hey, here's my my phone number." No, so he says uh, he says I hear you're going to print these into some shirts, and I, now I'm getting nervous that he's going to like do a CC. Yeah, he's going to try to uh, get me sued or something. Doesn't want my, me to make money off of his face and pictures yeah. of him. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's that's the plan. I like to make these into shirts. And he's like, oh, sick. Make sure I get some. And I'm now I'm like starting to question. I'm like, wait a second. Dave Navarro's not reaching out to me on Facebook and talking to me in a in a message about sending him shirts. I was right. like, this is a fake account. And then he's like, no, we'll send me your number. We'll FaceTime. And then next thing I know, we're FaceTiming each other. We're talking. We're laughing, having a good time, and we're getting along. You know, and uh. You know, I'm older, one of the older guys on my season, so I definitely remember James Addiction and all these things, you know. So there's lots of things that I have in common with him, you know. Right. We're having a good time, and and so same thing throughout the the show. We're just he, we were just texting buddies, not and not not like texting every day, but. Do you think that hurt you at all, too? Because as uh, sometimes, like, say you're working on a construction crew, and the the boss hires his son, and it goes one of two ways: right. the son's a lazy piece of shit who uh overuses his dad's uh position or the dad is kind of hyper vigilant on his son because he feels he has to set an example there you know do you think they were kind of critiquing you setting an example yeah i feel like um you know they put me in the bottom on the very first episode and i i like came out of my shell and i got and i said a bunch of crazy stuff and they're like all right so that's how we get this guy to to, to respond. respond yeah so let's like keep mm-hmm. it in the bottom and let's keep threatening them and uh not not to talk any conspiracies but i believe <laughs> and I, I believe you believe the same thing like there's a lot going on and the, there's a control room i actually walked into yeah. it right so i believe there's this control room and there's a lot going on in there more than people would even think like to the point where there's um maybe a psychiatrist or somebody like studying everything, like trying to figure out ways to push people's buttons. And they're also figuring out whose buttons need to be pushed. Like um, I think you were a good target because, because you were so aggro. So they, they would, uh, they would, they made you a target and they're like, let's yeah. make And then I think maybe the opposite for me, like this guy is so chill that mm-hmm. if we snap, that's TV gold. If we make this guy that's, that throws a chair and screams every episode, scream again, who cares? But if right, we can, we're used to it. If we can but make if, guy who's like coming off super zen-like. Yeah, if he has to take off his glasses and threaten a judge that comes on. And yeah. if he goes and chokes somebody or punches somebody, that's going to be in all the commercials and that's going to be TV gold. Well, they yeah. almost had it with you. I mean, not that you weren't going to fight, but you got mad. Yeah, I got mad a couple of times. It was a Ruben doll. Am I wrong? I'm saying his name wrong. Yeah, Mike Rubendahl. I got mad I, at. Got- I don't have a lot of respect uh, for the way, but maybe it's because I know uh, for him, as a result of the way I felt he was sucking up to the production company, hoping to get uh, the job that Nika Hurtado eventually got. Right. 
Um, but explain that for me. You you are somewhat privy uh, to some knowledge of the behind the scenes of the. Well, let me let me do the setting, I guess. <laughs> Ruben Dahl comes on. Great artist. Highly regarded. Um, I think I think uh, Nunez fillets him um, <laughs> daily or something. You know, I like I'm pretty sure that Nunez has a dildo shaped like Mike Rubendahl's penis and he carries it around to jerk off every time he thinks about, you know, how good Rubendahl is. He loves that man. Rubendahl yeah. comes on and he, he says, yeah. I really look up to him and I think he's like one of the most mind blowing, amazing, successful tattoo artists in, out there. So, you so know, you, you do as well. I shouldn't, I should mention that, I guess. So yeah. it probably hurts the most then when Rubendahl says to you that you haven't progressed since he's seen you well so so it starts out he walks in in the very beginning and he, and he shakes my hand and I, I take off my glove and he's like he's like oh yes mark longnecker you know i uh i remember hearing your name in the beginning of my career and, and hearing a lot of good things about you and i always looked up to you and i was like whoa that was quite a that's quite a compliment from somebody that i look up to right right yeah but i didn't realize it was a setup you know so that he could break me down later and um now yeah. why do you think that it was a setup then do you have information or you just feel that the way things played out that became obvious to you well another judge told me that he believes well he talked to him and he's like why are you being so harsh on uh mark and he says well you know that's what i was told to do and i i, I even treated this like a like i was training for a fight and i haven't had sex with my wife in a week and i'm coming after this guy which is what I heard. It's pretty crazy if it's true. And, <laughs> so, like training. Let's talk about that. You're, you're mixed martial. Well, you're BJJ. Um, in training for competitions, sometimes these guys to go all aggro will not have sex, right? Yeah, that's a good training. Like you're, you're like you're letting go of energy that you could use in a in a potential uh, fight or something if you if you blow your loads. So you want to build up that tension, right? Right. So you, it makes it seem a whole lot more gay, though. I'll tell you that. I don't know. Every fight I see, I think there's always a homo homo part. And uh, and now knowing that somebody might have foregone sex for weeks in the anticipation of meeting with, with his rival, it seems more so. Um, but he did this then, in, in what somebody told you, at least. That he yeah. trained for it and also knew that he was going to go after you because he knew you from prior? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'd love to have a conversation with him now and and, and see if it was true, but uh, that's mm -hmm. what I heard. And so, yeah, so when it, when it came time for the critique, it, it got pretty pretty heated and early, and I felt like, you know, he probably got some insight from if there was this guy who's the psychiatrist or somebody in the – in the control room that, that's reading everyone and saying, you know, how can we make this guy snap? He's just, he's, he actually takes the critiques and he, and he doesn't like, he doesn't uh, fight back too much. And he takes them with, and he like, there's tries to adjust adapts and overcome. Yeah. He adapts and overcomes. He's got, he's got a lot of passion about his art. Okay. Let's attack his passion. That's where we're going to get him. Who can we use? Mike Rubendahl. All right. So we, uh, and then he comes in and so he starts attacking my passion and saying that he, he's progressed. So he, he did look up to me, but, but then he, I plateaued and then he went way beyond me. So a lot of some of this stuff didn't make the cut, but uh, he pretty, said, he said that of his own artwork that he made it beyond you. 
Yeah, he's like progressed beyond me and, and my All stuff, right. like um, you know, skateboard art or uh, you know, and he his art has matured. So some of this, <laughs> like, I yeah. hate this idea about that exactly. It seems so sophomoric to judge someone else's artwork off of your own. All right, and uh, he's he's got me pretty riled up, and um. Because he's he, and he is, I feel like he's hitting blow the belt, which is where right. that, that line comes in that they did use that they like so much. Where I said, uh, I'd rather you come down here and kick me in the balls than say the stuff that you're saying. Did and you take when was it you took your glasses off? I Superman I, style. I think I took them off before I said that. Okay, I loved it. Another thing that they showed and like became like a hashtag Mark took his glasses off and different things on Twitter and stuff. Like, cause you know, that's like my first instinct if I'm getting ready to fight, is to take off my glasses. And I was starting right. to feel that adrenaline rush through my body. And uh, I was feeling like it was, it was, you know, it was turning into a lot more than an argument. And I even, I believe I said something to the fact that, you know, if we were, if we were at a bar at a tattoo convention, we would be considered equals. And you, and if you'd be saying this stuff, uh, you would be, these would be fighting words, you know? Right. And, I think and he is a he's a fighter himself. He plans he he trains jujitsu as well, right? Yeah. At one point, one of the guys behind me, I even said, "You know, he's a black belt." You know, like careful what you're saying. Fuck and black belt. I was just like, whatever. I'm like, he's pushed me beyond the point. Like, I, like I would I, if I, if it came to a physical fight, I would have been. I probably would have lost, considering he was a black belt. But I would have been right. right well. Do you, do you not cheat then? Are you, are you honorable when you fight? Well, I mean, cheating away. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, my first my first strike is the balls, and the next is the eyes. So you're saying not, that, that might take not, I, I never want to punch anybody. I want to poke eyeballs. All right. Well, even I, I guarantee, even all those tricks, like uh, there's you're a black belt for a reason. Like a black belt, right? Stuff, right. That's just right. But belt. nobody gets to punch in the nuts. That's what. <laughs> you know that every every sport you're in you're like oh, you can't do that and i don't know i feel like that should be your number one if we're getting a fight in the street and you're trained i've i'm not <laughs> so I, I need to either run away or punch your ass in the nuts Anyway, 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 I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna fight my group at all. Uh, but it was getting pretty tense at that at that point. And uh, you know, maybe I would love to like roll in the jujitsu with Matt with him and just get it all out of my system. Twenty years right. later, ten years later. But well, uh, there's something about it. So he is. It, it is. That's where I lost respect. Was as I saw him clamoring for uh, this this position or this spot of judge or to try and use it this this situation to catapult his own uh, brand, you know, if you will, like we were using that. I understand. And I guess everybody, every judge has the right to do that. However, we were doing that by taking part in a competition that we thought was honest and fair. And he was doing it by coming to a competition and making it less honest and fair. Yeah. That's one way to look at it. You know, I was happy he, he had to, a couple seasons later and like maybe the next season he got to tattoo on the floor. And I was like, all right, now you get to feel our pressure. Now you're now you're going against the other tattoo artists. And I was like, let's right. see how you do, you know. But it's still, killed it. It's still yeah, it's first. It's and it's still never fair because we had Tony Montoya 
uh, tattoo with us, right? Uh-huh. And he's tattooing like a celebrity on the floor. And we're tattooing these crazy clients that are asking us to do all these crazy tattoos. You know, so it's really, and then we got to be judged against each other. But it's right. never. Like never. he's handed the golden ticket. Exactly. And you guys all have to fight for the scraps. Mm-hmm. And then hope to change your client's armpit tattoo into something cool yeah. armpit tattoo with like kids names and all this other stuff that has nothing to do with the challenge which is where i would get in trouble the most like i i would actually try to start making these clients happy because i do have that inside of me like i'm a people pleaser and i right. want to this is on them for life i am still taking that into consideration you know and mm-hmm. so i'd still try to draw something that they, that they would kind of want to like and and then I would not hit the challenge and then I'd be in the bottom and then I'd be like, why am I, you know, these people, these, at the end of the day, these people are not clients. They signed up for, to be on TV and then they want to argue with me and they're mm-hmm. my life miserable and they're not letting me produce the tattoos that I could do potentially at, at a shop or at my house. And it's just that it was, at the end of the day, it's the most stressful thing I ever did in my entire life. Really? Oh, Do, yeah. If you went back, would you feel more confident in guiding your your uh client or canvas i guess as we call them yeah of course i would i would definitely you know i think um scott like some of the most successful ones were the ones that could jedi mind trick their their clients and they would just wave their hand and say no you're getting this biomechanical the way i'm going to do it just like aaron kane our judge would do it and right. then they would get it you know and then i would be like i don't know they told us not to do uh pistons and skin <laughs> And you're asking for all the stuff that they told us not to do, but I guess I got to do it. You know, and I, right. still, I feel that I felt that for sure. I wish they're going to walk in. I don't even have a space on my body to tattoo myself. So I got to kind of take their ideas into consideration. <laughs> yeah. So what would you do if you went back? So then I would, what, what, what would be your manner of convincing I clients? I don't think that happens as much. I don't think they're coming out arguing and trying to tell you all this crazy shit they put in a tattoo. I think they they may have toned down that part down. And but you think the audience has? I mean, obviously the people coming on the show have watched it now more. Yeah, you think they don't? More of them don't want to be the dickhead. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Like, uh, you know, I, I even uh, one of the more recent seasons, I heard a client uh, or a canvas they call them come out and say, "Just do whatever it takes to win." And I to win and i was like what my mind's blown <laughs> so bad for me. yeah but like you get to the point where you've already tattooed all these people with the iqs in that local area that really believe that oh, okay so you tell me in the back room that i should come out and argue with my with my tattoo artist and then i'll get more camera time and and then i could also win and get the best tattoo no, a genius, yeah. like anybody with any kind of IQ understands that the more you argue, the worse your tattoo is going to be, right? Yes, I believe. You're not going to have to understand. And also be out there being like, uh, it's your job to give me everything I want. And, and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not, <laughs> like, so they, they must have run their course on all those people. And everyone's watched it and they say, okay, the people that argue don't win. The people that say, do what it takes to win, win. Right? Do you so, think that it was the, I, so you think it's twofold then you you think that when the cast or the iq of the canvases went up um right. that we're applying but then also it must be because i'm sure there still exists those terrible people who can't wait to make an ass of themselves on tv and then that would be casting 
weeding through them, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I'm, you I'm think sure they that. want they want to have better looking tattoos now? Uh, I mean, I think that 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 whole idea of those kind of people just ran its course eventually. Okay, I see. I mean, the competition quality level is so high on uh, what I've seen of this one on Paramount here, season fourteen. It it's pretty mind blowing, and it does seem like they really have an ability to. I, I haven't seen anybody get screwed by a canvas's request. You know, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff's not happening. Yeah, like no armpit tattoos, no butt crack tattoos. No, um, no I'm not going to do it. I'm going to tattoo myself. You don't see that anymore. Right. That makes sense. I, I, I wish if if I ever got in that situation, I think one of the things that happened as well, because I've seen a couple of artists do this, but the IQ of the artists has gone up from watching the show too, whereas they say, did you notice how everybody laughed when you said your tattoo idea? Did you notice how they gave you to me uh, because you're, you know, they'll, they'll say something like, hey, they want you to have a shitty tattoo. That's why they gave your color tattoo to me, a black and gray artist. So why don't we go ahead and compromise? Let me do black and gray. And it's because you're not going to end up with a nice one. And it seems like the clients seem to understand that. This seems the good strategy, at least. From, yeah. after, after 13 seasons, like, it's just people are going to figure that out. Right. Uh, I hear escape rooms have a, uh, even without people seeing uh, how they're solved, I guess some area, somebody will solve an escape room some unique way. And with, it's like the IQ of that escape room then seems to stay. The, another person will come in and solve it in this new unique way. And then this becomes a standard, almost a habit. Interesting. I think so. I think there's a lot of variables in that that I that I'm curious that it might not be the people setting up the rooms as well then and people that make audibles on changes, but it's and it's it's not um so it's not studied, but it's an interesting phenomenon. You know, it might take many players to make that happen, if you follow me. Mm -hmm. Like maybe the clues that the people inside get give, maybe those go in different ways. You know, now that they know there's another way to solve it. I don't know. I've been thinking about it way too hard because it seems like such an amazing phenomenon that we would share this universal hive brain. But we are all kind of the same space dust, right? Yes. So maybe it makes sense. Does, do, is it like there's, is there a tree that we can't destroy somewhere? And if we do, all humankind or all the avatars will be destroyed. We definitely don't want to mess with the Buddha tree. Oh, is the, there is a Buddha tree? Oh, the one that Buddha sat under, meditated with, famous tree in India. I'm I'm sorry, man. I'm they they didn't school us up on that in Flint. Talking about that, Michigan. Yeah, not in my part of Michigan. Yoga wasn't a thing, so I mean, that that's what hippies do, bro. You know, yep, I got I got, a hippie, I got tons of hippie deep inside my bones. From a Jersey hippie moved to Florida, which the elections were last night. You guys got a red tide coming in. <laughs> uh, in 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 um, I don't mean to make a political uh, juxtaposition, but that area is different now. It seems different than than the hippie. 
that you might claim to have inside of you. Yeah, my wife was screaming at the phone and the TV all night. <laughs> right on. I, I try not to paint too much mind to it. No, I, I should, and it's my town, or like the stuff, yeah. of course, I'm a little bit more interested in, but right. it is what it is. There's always going to be division, and you got to pick blue or red, and blah, 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 and it's not really like a, a vibe that I'm on. No, I think it's um, it, it's a distraction, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Even though we can say it's a very important distraction, uh, it really doesn't bring us together, so it's a huge distraction. Mm-hmm. Now I sound like a hippie, exactly. <laughs> but I, I really feel that I've, I've been um, experimenting with uh, different, you know, parenting methods. I, I'm not the best at parenting a lot, right? It's not the easiest thing. And I always got a lot better when, when we were, David was a little guy. I could challenge him. Like if I said, hurry up, I need you to get in the car. It never seemed to work, but I could be like, dude, I'm going to race you to the car. Right. I'm get my shoes on faster than you then these things would always you know then he would race to the car i'm finding that i want to achieve my goal more than be right now and politics seem to be more about being right a lot of times or fitting my perception of right or finding someone else that believes my perception um i'm tattooing this police officer this weekend he's an awesome dude he's a retired air force too awesome guy uh i seem i've got a little bit of a bone to pick with that american flag that they bastardize and separate with a thin blue line (laughs) completely against the flag code and in all the meaning of the most ubiquitous symbol of unity and peace for all americans the same for donald trump and hillary clinton but now only being meant for one enforcement branch of america i find a problem with that and even despite these imagined political differences that we have, this guy I love, you know, he was super cool. Of course. And, and I, I want to try and police and I, uh, you know, I'm not, fly, I'm not flying the back of blue flag in my shop or, or getting too crazy with it. But, uh, but I, I, you know, we all need them and, and uh, I love them and all, I have a great relationship with the local police department. I painted a surfboard for them and, and then the fire department got jealous and I painted a, a surfboard for them and as soon as you walk in they're all lit up and they're like the main thing you see in the lobby and yes and have a great great rapport with all these local people in my town so uh, they might even have different political opinions than the hippie inside of you or uh other people that you would associate with but all this this is actually bringing I, community I get, together I get upset when i see like um when i see anti-police stuff then then i see uh, you know, like I'm not, I'm not getting excited about. Uh, I mean, I, I, there, there are people just like you and me, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I, give, I give them the same respect. Yeah, well, that I guess that comes from Namaste too. Is that possible? Because uh, I've been reading on it that, and we also, when we were finishing yoga, and man, I really like this too. <laughs> I should say thank you so much for all, all of the insight that I've gotten from yoga and uh, from the little things. That um, we would say the divine light in me recognizes the divine light in you. That, that's how I end it, and then and then we go into Namaste, and uh, which pretty much means the same as that, right? It's a similar thought. Namaste is. Yeah. Well, we can all we all share that together, and then um, 
But the, the idea, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people look at yoga and think it's stretching. It's the first thing they think. And I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I go lift weights or I don't need to stretch, blah, blah, blah. But um, yoga is so much more than just like the poses and the, the stretching and the balancing, which is all the fun stuff that you're actually really good at. But it's so much deeper. It's, you know, it's yoga is the mind and the body connection. And then you get the spirit in there. So the whole thing is, is a meditation, right? And I, we start with the meditation when, I, when I'm teaching, and just as most yoga teachers do, start with the meditation, and then you add movement. So now it becomes a moving meditation. And then you end in that final meditation, and that's when you can start dropping all sorts of bombs and things to think about, things to get deep about, you know, or, or always go to gratitude. Yes. Sport. Yes. And that is uh, something about the divine light in me recognizes the divine light in you. Seems very similar to me to a passage that I find in the Bible that, that gives me peace, although I'm not really a Christian. Um, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I just don't believe in the deity of Christ. So a lot of people disqualify me, me for that. But I know a lot of Christians who do a lot of shit that is not Christian, and they have a lot of beliefs that are also not by the book. Uh, for instance, people say the Lord works in mysterious ways. And that is not a verse in the Bible. And one of the reasons it's one of the stupider thoughts that you can have is because the Lord wrote an instruction book, you know, and it's not so mysterious if you are reading it. However, back from that, um, I find there's a verse inside of uh, that I grew up on, you know, as a kid uh, in religion that was, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And inside of that thought, there is so much humility of that also allows me to forgive my own stupid actions, which I find is very important. Because if I don't forgive my own stupid actions, then I can't wait to mitigate them by chastising someone else for their stupid actions. However, if I forgive my actions, then when someone else does something stupid, I can be right there with mercy and, and, and we're both better people for the day. You know, to me, I find that inside of those two things, the reason I can, um, or the reason I find those to be similar is because the divine light in me recognizing the divine light in you that says I make mistakes and I have a divine light still. And you know what? You're going to make mistakes and I won't forget about your divine light either. Yeah, and once you start the once you start honoring it and recognizing it and respecting it, then you start looking for it. All right. So then when I when I hear Matt Clemmer talk, I'm like, okay, this guy is definitely the lighthouse of our industry, like one of me you now for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I always preach that too. Or, or at least I, I talk about the idea of you know you don't really want to preach. You don't want to I don't want to go over and tell everyone they gotta do yoga. Just like you don't, you get sick of somebody talking too much about Jesus or this and that. Right. Like, you just gotta but sh- if I meet somebody who's living Jesus' abundant life, yeah, then you, that you witnesses should, to me yeah. through his actions. And yeah. same, same is for you. Then, if I see you living this, and it's quite honest, like, dude, you're a happy motherfucker. It's yeah. hard to be around you and and not have a good vibe. And yeah. then you there, see I'm that yoga does life. this. I'm shining my light like a lighthouse, and then if if it, if it guides people over, if they want to understand why my light is so bright, then I'll share it with them. But I'm definitely not going to force it on them. I'm not going to go 
try to tell everyone that they need to do this or understand this or yeah. this way, you know? So as a testament to that, let's let's notice too that on these six days, I think we did yoga together. And I continued in, uh, actually, I don't know if I told you this, I, I continued what I could. I mean, it's better to have a yogi. Like you, you're a trained yogi, correct? Yes. And to this also to this regard of uh, growing and, uh, and and drawing people in by the end of our last yoga session, we had two more people with us, Scott Martin and uh, Dave Rubino. Yeah, it's definitely magnetic, right? Like it starts to get more more people every every time it, like mm -hmm. it uh, starts to attract more and more people to that light. I'm guessing so. I seen it. I saw it work. Um, I've been enjoying it because uh, it just gives me a better outlook every day when I wake up and thank things in my life. Um, everything seems easier, so much easier. I mean, even just walking past people at the grocery store yesterday because we're in Flint, you know, so I got to get I, I went out and filled up all our water yesterday because, <laughs> you know, you can't drink this stuff here. Um yeah. But passing by people in the store feels better recognizing that I will forgive them if they bump my cart. And also then feeling this, this, this feeling of, well, somebody will forgive me for the same. Or, you know, if I, if I fuck up. Yeah, just live your life with gratitude. And gratitude is the attitude. All right, that's enough of me preaching stupid, though. Let's get back to hateful stuff about Ink Masters. <laughs> no, actually, I, I wouldn't mind telling the story of, of how I became a yoga teacher because it has to do with tattooing. I would like to hear that then. Tell. So you asked if I was trained, right? Yeah, well, you're a yogi, right? I remember watching your journey. Yeah, I've done, done many, many yoga teacher trainings, right? Okay. Just, hey, yogi bear. Okay. It's just like tattooing. It's like you never want to stop learning once you once you get on that journey. So it's the same thing. It's like... And then you, and you're talking about the journey a lot with your other yogi friends and you're like people in the beginning of the journey or they're on their 10th yoga teacher training and that they've done seven retreats in, in Bali and India and all over the world, you know, they're starting to really get deeper and deeper. So, um, but you know, I originally was just doing a lot of yoga and I was, even when I was on Ink Master, I was doing yoga every morning. I was bringing guys down. Um, Josh uh, was doing yoga with you, right? Yeah. He was one of my original guys, so it's really hard to wake these guys up, but I could get Josh up, and he really got into it. And then um, when, once Josh was gone, uh, Aaron once in a while, but definitely clean, because clean for the fitness, like loved it, you know. Right. And um, I was getting him all stretched out. And, and it, it just started to carry on, and I'm doing it anyway. Like, if you go to a tattoo convention, I'm in the gym, right? And I'm either right. working out or I'm doing yoga or I'm doing both. But yoga is usually getting people's attention. Like, what's going on with this tattoo artist over here? Like, like I said, there's like a light beam shining from you when you're doing yoga. And uh, so then, uh, hey, what was that one position, you know, and uh, well, I could get you into it and you could ease into it from doing this one into this one into this position. And, and then maybe we'll take a picture and we'll post it on your Instagram and you'll be proud of it. And then, of course, other people see that and they're like, well, do you doing yoga in the morning with Mark Longnecker? I want to come join. And then so every convention, it was always this thing that built up, you know, on Friday, I'm doing it. And then another person joins in. And by Saturday, we got a couple more. And by Sunday, we got a bunch just like you saw. Yeah. So that was always the way it was. And then um, and we're always posting, we're always tagging pictures, tagging the convention. So then uh, Derb sees that and he, he's excited about that. Derb's into all that. It's not hard to convince a jujitsu guy that they need to stretch. Right. They love that. Yes. Stuff. 
Well, Where Derb also had some terrible uh, back problems that right. occurred, right? Yeah. So, so he's like, you should do that at my convention. And I always kind of want, like that idea. So, and I didn't really know. Hell City, right? I'm sorry. Let's let's blow that up because you're not you're talking about Hell City. Yeah, Hell City convention. One of the biggest the- and baddest conventions, or most revered for sure. Oh yeah, one of the invite only. It's beautiful, awesome, good vibe. Like just, I mean, Derb's like putting together one of the best shows out there. And so he uh, invites me to do it, and he immediately, like, I give him one of my yoga pictures, starts advertising, blowing it up, and then I was like, okay, uh, I guess I'm teaching yoga at a tattoo convention for real this time. It's not just me and and some bros. Like, I better come up with a good sequence and, like, Mm -hmm. figure this stuff out. So I I come up with one and write it all down and memorize it, and then I invite uh, one of my yoga teacher friends over and my wife, and we do it in the backyard, and I guide them through it. So this is literally like the, the first legit class I ever teach. And um, and I asked my wife, what do you think? Oh, that was fun. You know, I think the tattoo artists will enjoy it. Not too much critique. Well, my wife's not a trained yoga teacher. That was mm-hmm. the perspective of a normal person. And now that my trained yoga teacher friend, who's kind of a mentor at this point, especially, uh, uh, says, well, I have a few things I need to, I'm worried about, you know, you can, you can, net- you can worry about you're putting everyone in this headstand and, and uh, you got to take these proper steps and you got to really think about injury and right. you want somebody to get injured in your class. And I'm like, not really ever thinking about that. Cause I'm like pushing my friends that are these fitness friends that are in the gym anyway, not right. normal people who are just ready to try yoga. Maybe they're going to try it for the first time with their favorite tattoo artist. Like anybody can walk into this yoga class. That's the way they're advertising it. It's open to the public. Right. And you got people on the doing handstands. They're going to plant themselves on their heels or something. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. could be bad. Me out and I was like, I, I'm not even certified. I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm just doing what I know. I was like, maybe I should get a certification. And then all of a sudden I see there's a certification uh, right in my town, like right next to my tattoo shop. And, uh, and I joined in on that. And it's like mind blowing. And I immediately uh, canceled the... Um, I canceled the, the, the yoga class with uh, Derb. I said, let's just hold off till next year. I'll be certified. So let's cancel it. And um, and at, while I'm in this yoga teacher training, like the first thing that they're, they're teaching you about is, uh, you know, and mind you, I haven't done any kind of studying like this. You know, I've, I've studied tattoos and I read some books, but the real, the only other time that I was really deep into studying was in college where I'm like, being tested and stuff like that like no one's doing you in the you know in the tattoo world that that really so i felt like i was really putting myself deep into myself and that's what they do they like i'm wondering why are we not like learning sequences or learning the proper way to put somebody in hands then why am i learning about myself and then when i realized once i do all this deep stuff into myself how important that is and then i'm thinking why aren't all tattoo artists doing this right I, feel like I don't know. No, explain a bit more. Let me get you to expand on that. The first part, or, or give, I'll give you my understanding of what you're saying. The first thing they have you learning about is just yourself. introspective self stuff, not stretching, I'm guessing, right? Exactly, yeah. So they have you like, yeah. like going over your childhood, your you relationship with your layers. parents, what? They call it like peeling back the layers of an onion. So you're getting like deep into your own self perspective of yourself and learning about yourself. And, and, and then the more you can learn about yourself, the more you can share what you know from what, what you've learned about yourself with others through your practice of yoga, 
And it's also like important stuff for, I, I would feel like for any tattoo artist, like to do this kind of self work, you know, and, and breath work and meditation. It's only well, where does it start with uh, then also though, the introspective stuff th that you would recommend other artists take, where, where does that start? What, what were some questions you could ask or they could ask? Well, I feel like the, the people that have brought this kind of stuff, the self like help kind of like, making yourself better as a person into tattooing like life coach people are, are like the tattoo business mastery matt clemmer mm -hmm. like there's now of course like every industry is starting to have those kind of people that are like hey if you want to get better at this you need to work on you know this the inside first before you can work on this outside part and um and then you can but some anyway, real tom brady shit there yeah it gets deep but um well, the, uh, what, what do you it, it, I'm going to stop you one more time, though. It gets deep. How you're talking like, say um, we want to educate our listeners to at least a couple of questions that they could begin asking themselves to explore so they can know themselves. I mean, you're not you're not talking about masturbation. <laughs> I'm talking about that. I mean, I guess that is a form of self-love, but that's the, <laughs> the first things that you preach. You're not going to be able to share love with others. It's uh, it's like being on the airplane, right? They say, hey, make sure you, you uh, grab your, the mask for yourself and get yourself the oxygen before you start helping your kids. And, then, you know, some others are going to think, well, that's selfish. Of course, I'm going to help my kids first, right? So we're, we're taught in the beginning of time as, as kids, like not to be selfish, not, not, and, and we need, to, but we need to have that self-love. We need to take care of ourselves. You need to give yourselves an hour in the morning taking care of yourself so that then you can better take care of your family and your wife. Yeah. Well, let, let me put a biblical slant on it too. Is that uh, I don't know why I keep doing that. Kind of <laughs> now, I'm, but I'm gonna uh, it, love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, what right. good does that if I'm not taking care of myself? Right. So it's just it's really important stuff to work on, and it, it does help you grow as an artist. And I I can't like say that enough to tattoo artists. Like it doesn't always have it doesn't have to be yoga itself. It could be any form of kind of self love or meditation, or you become a, mm -hmm. you know, even you're meditating on your hikes in the morning or something where you're you're working on your own mind to strengthen your mind. Right? Everyone's like so focused on on the workout, working out your body, working out your muscles. You got to look good. I know plenty of people have six packs that are dying on the inside. Right? Their their head is not right. They don't ever work on their head. They only work on their looks. Right. So, it's like it's, it's what one thing that takes that yoga is different from some other kind of things where you, your trainer's yelling at you, no pain, no gain. Blah, blah, blah. We got to push through this. We got to get you some muscles on your body so you, so you get more confidence about yourself. Blah blah. blah. You and need more IG likes. I can't believe your parents yeah. even love worthless piece of fat slob shit like you. But yoga is the opposite of no, the, the the idea of no pain, no gain. It's like telling you. It, 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 we're saying if you feel pain to stop listen to your body you always listen to your body right you don't want to push into pain that's where you find injury and yeah. like you have to uh you have to like really care for your body a lot more than you know the people like the unless you're like getting paid like an nfl player to 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 really destroy your body like that it's not worth it right and it's probably Never, right yeah uh, i i learned this lesson squatting <laughs> and sometimes there's different kinds of pain to the idea of no pain, no gain sometimes gives a young kid the idea that 
his spine breaking underneath the weight he's doing or, you know, a, a sharp pain. As soon as you start work through it, I mean, I, I recall doing that in workouts where I would have bad enough form that I got this really bad pain somewhere in my leg or my back. I think it was my back. And then I, I continued my reps. Right. There's no pain, no gain. Yeah. And then it was it. out for weeks because it, that it was no gain. <laughs> it was just all pain. Uh-huh. And you're not, so, you're not going to find like then. So you think well, who well, the best yogis are these super flexible people, right? They got these guys that have the, the, the hundred thousand followers that can do this handstand off of a cliff. Um, but just, but you're not going to find enlightenment through flexibility, right? You're not. So that, that would mean that everyone in circus OLA is like these perfectly, uh, they, they can bend their legs behind their head, but so does that mean that they found enlightenment? No, like but you have to work on your mind. It has nothing to do with the flexibility. It has everything to do with the mind and then getting flexible from it or losing weight from it or all these other side effects that happen. They're all bonuses. One effect or, or one form of meditation that I've found almost the only form that I can kind of stick with besides meditations that I find there are activities, right? Like yoga or a, or a workout, but is um, letting my thoughts uh, be a storm on the sea and myself be a diver as it were yeah. and noticing the storm and then diving down and noticing how the waves are still moving me around. But the further I get down into myself, the calmer it is. No matter what's going on on the top, I can find this calm center then. And I try to bring that. Oh, my God, how hilarious is this? That I'm even saying that I try to bring that throughout my day. Meanwhile, I'm uh, the only thing people know me for is blowing up on the master. Exactly. <laughs> Great job, Kyle. The analogy that I talk a lot, about a lot about, which I can relate to the most, just like you can with the, like, of course, I want to bring the ocean or the beach into my meditations. Like I said, it's a healing place. So when I'm guiding someone through a meditation and I'll have some music, so I'll try to choose a song, especially if I have a song that has like some waves breaking or something. So then I'll just take them, like visually take them. Your eyes are closed, but through your third eye space and look into that space, you're gonna you're gonna look and you're gonna you're gonna be sitting on the beach and you're gonna feel the sand underneath of you, and you're gonna be melting into the sand, and you're gonna look up into this blue sky with your eyes closed. You know, you're gonna be looking through the third eye and you're gonna see this beautiful blue sky. And then you're going to see these, these soft clouds. And these clouds have are no hard edges, right? You're not going to be able to grab them or hold on to them. They're, they're, those can represent your thoughts, right? So we, we're not going to, we're just going to let these clouds come floating in. And then we're going to let them float on by. And we're going to, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find stillness. So follow. I feel like I'm guiding you in meditation right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I follow. Uh, I don't know that it's so much different than my um, than, than my imagined diving, but it's probably nicer because people, when I talk about diving, they're like, "But you can't breathe underwater, right?" <laughs> like, no, no, it's a different water. I can, but but you're letting the thoughts. They're there. You're just recognizing them like clouds. They're yeah. not important. They're not you. They don't have weight on them right now because you're finding out who you are away from that. Yeah, and you're just trying to be present and you're trying to be in the moment and you're not going to 
you just don't want you, you're not you are not your thoughts and you're not going to let them dictate who you are and but you're also not going to fight them is what I, I preach the most right so a lot of people think well meditation is just clearing your mind and clearing your thoughts i can't do that that's impossible yeah it probably is for 99 percent of us except for that one cup a few monks in some place that have been doing mm-hmm. this for 20 years right so we're not going to try to clear our minds we're going to we're not going to fight anything we're going to let the thoughts come in and then we're going to let them just pass on by and that's no way. What, what we're looking for is to find stillness and then in stillness you find your power Right, you find, and then the, all that movement that you do—that's the medicine for your body, and that that can be prevent injury. That can that can uh, help injuries, repair parts of your body. But the most important thing, besides the workout, is the working, working in on the mind. So, how do you? I, I got to figure that your surfing life and your yoga life go together in some fashion too. Yeah, I mean, it all intertwines, and tattooing as well, and. So how much time does this leave you for video games? I'm definitely not messing with video games. <laughs> You're definitely not, huh? No. Uh, when was, is, when was the, what, what's the last game you played? I played some pinball the other day in, in, in Key West. That's not a video game? No, it's not. But that, okay. it was in the video game place. No Pac-Man? No Miss Pac-Man even? No, I wouldn't mind playing some Pac-Man. I play well. My favorite one is uh, what's the uh, where you're shooting all the aliens and the one can can zoom you up. Galaga. Galaga, yeah. Made after Galagian. Yeah, that's my favorite. I'll play that one for hours. Right on. You know all the patterns for it then. Mm. For the challenging stage. Yeah, I know where to move to in the challenge stages. Okay. And then uh, I want to thank a few people. I should probably actually ask their questions more outright. I've tried to stop, go over them, but there's been some people, uh, another basic NPC. You feel me what an NPC is then? Yeah, the beat maker. Whoa, the beat maker. No, what is the beat maker? An NPC is a beat maker. Like 808? Like beat people? I'm using? No, an NPC is a non-playable character in a video oh, game. I'm thinking NPC. Oh, okay. For music, something? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, E-Mac and Cheese. Well, uh, another basic NPC wanted to know how the rivalry is now. And um, with the aftermath of the show, did you find more clients, more work? And how does how has it guided you? Yeah, I mean, it's back to the rivalry. Like I said, the only only thing that's uh, upset me lately was the unfollower, and then I blocked. But we still text, so it doesn't really matter. And then he, you know... So oh, um, you blocked him after that. Did you tell him yet? Does he know? Uh, I, I'm sure if he's tried to look at my page that he'll see he's blocked. I know he's like, I think he even followed everyone in my shop. I don't know. Either way, I have nothing but love for Ronnie Turtle. So well, uh, give him a second chance. Put him back on there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, E-Mac and Cheese uh, was curious about your, your living environment and how it affected you. Yeah, I mean, uh, E-Pastor's great. Yeah, it seems like you would love it when you're leading people through yoga and you're very Gregorious and you're a people person. So 14 people in a, in a room probably didn't bother you too much. No, I have no problems uh, getting speaking in front of people and I love it. I feel like it and Chuck, Chunk O'Nugget, I, I really liked his question. I think we kind of went over it a bit again, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, seems judges and contestants were familiar with your work. 
how did that factor into your casting? And do you feel your uh, it was a benefit or it was a drawback in your critiques? We did our. That's a hundred percent. We already went over every yeah, bit of that. Talk about the casting a little bit. <laughs> okay, yeah. I tell you, got on. And, you know, I did make it quite an effort. Like I think season three, maybe two and three, or, or three and four. I was like at a lot of castings, and I got pretty far in one of them where I kept talking and doing Zoom calls, and I was thinking I was getting there. And uh, you is know, it, it is a whole process, isn't it? Yeah, like it's people just, sometimes get the idea, and I think there are those like uh, that it was really easy for them. Like they did one video interview, no. but many yeah, others of us I, we chased that acorn pretty hard. I went, and then I drove, I drove three hours to Miami to one of the first. Okay. I show up. I have a pe- people are standing there in this huge long line. All these tattooists and they have their portfolios with them. I yeah. have my surfboard that I painted right. So me okay. look out. From the bunch is what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's got a surfboard he hand painted. And I bring that in and, and uh, I'm talking about it. I'm talking all the surf talk. And I was like, when's the last time you had a surfer bro on the show? And blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're like, yeah, we love it. You know, and I think that that's what kind of got their attention and got the ball rolling. And that, that same surfboard was in, actually in my room while I was tattooing on Ink Master. And I ended up auctioning it off for uh, charity for Surfers for Autism afterwards. But um, yeah, they, were, they were pretty familiar with me. And uh, one of the final things was uh, they told me they were getting down to the, the final people that were getting ready to be in season four. And uh, they said, yeah, you know, we, we we've, I think we got everyone picked and you're just not the right fit for this season. At uh, what point was it? Was that right before casting weeks before? What do you know? Yeah, it was right before they were like making their final picks, and I was getting this whole like Hollywood, don't call us, we'll call you. They're never gonna call me again. Bye, right? Right. Okay. They held true to it when. Uh, so then there's they're go they're casting for season five, and I'm not even trying at this point. I'm like, I've already tried. They said they'll call me if they need me, right. and um, that. So then they love Ryan, right? Ryan's a good looking guy. Look, and they put him in this in that black vest, and he's got this like biker vibe to him. He looks like a badass. Or soul, right? He's gonna make right. it, in the world. and uh, so they. Who's your first pick for a rival? And he and he mentions me. Oh, we already know Mark. We've been looking for the perfect time to get Mark in the show. Right, and it's a perfect because if his rivalry is this biker guy, and or, or his character is a biker guy, and your character is the surfer dude. Is that a surfer dude? Yeah. And there like, you go. So you know, at the end of the day. I, I owe a lot to Ryan for even doing that and saying, you know, I'd like to go against Mark. Could have said anybody, you know. Yeah, I think you could pay him back with a follow, but whatever, you know. Yeah, you. Yeah, I think you're. I'm gonna. We'll, we're gonna t- put it to a vote. Maybe you can wait till the vote's done. We'll put it through the Reddit and we'll see what they say. <laughs> we'll see if everybody's a bunch of assholes though. They'll be like, "Fuck Ryan, he, he fucking unfriended you." <laughs> Maybe you got a lot of, a lot of, I mean, after this conversation has been as, as hippy dippy spiritual as it is, and people will probably want you, they'll be like, come on. All right. Finally, leave, leave right. With, you, with your love light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Open up the eye chakra and let, let your rival back in. Yeah. Um, tattooing, you, you, I, I want to get back to tattooing though for you, if you don't mind. Unless, what else, you got anything else about Ink Master? Anybody there? Something that, um, Still sticks with you today. Any takeaways? 
Um, well, you know, another funny thing about uh, Ryan. Uh, so I asked him one point. I said, I "said you getting a lot of people hitting you up? You getting like?" He's like, "Yeah, it's it's been crazy." You know, I said, "I said I get people asking me um, what what kind of glasses I wear. I get that a lot." And I ended up getting a you know a sponsorship out of my glasses. I, I screenshotted all this all the uh, stuff. You still got the sponsorship? Yeah. Plug them up. Who is it? Ivy Ivy Vision. So they still send me glasses if I ask for some. And I send a lot of people there, right? and you know, when people ask me my age, and I, I even was like putting my, my name into Google to see what people are asking about me. And like the, the first thing that came up was what, what kind of glasses I'm wearing, and then they want to know how old I am. A lot of people don't realize I'm so old. And uh, I think you're older than me. You turned fifty, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, you look younger than me, though. I'm pretty pissed about it. <laughs> And then I, uh, so I asked Ryan, I was like, what are you, are you getting a lot of people hitting you up? And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. All these girls are going crazy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, really? I was like, I'm not really like, getting like, a girl fan club out of this, but what, what do you, and he's like, yeah, check out this one message. And, and she's, one girl's like, can you please send me a, uh, a little jar of your semen that I could wear around my neck for a necklace? Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I guess we're definitely putting off different vibes on this. <laughs> Oh shit! No one's asking me that, right? And he had, uh, he had a fan club, so it's funny. It's funny the vibe that, that got set off from from the TV screens from the different kinds of people that are on there. Yeah, I find it very unique. That exactly that too. That we can all have such. I mean, we're all unique people, so I guess I shouldn't expect it, but or should expect it. But that we all would have. Like, I don't. I don't know if anybody sent me anything like that. Uh, <laughs> But that has definitely not been my experience either. You know, I, there was there's one time in uh, I, I think we were in Texas and some there was a big girl there and she did like me a lot. She gave me the idea that I was going to be hogtied in her truck or something. I don't know. It, like I thought I was getting abducted for a minute, but um, nothing, nothing uh, in the whole category of dating or, you know, of course, I'm married. Maybe that helps. And my wife does most of my emails too so maybe she filtered through them but i remember asking her i was like all my friends are you know getting titty shots and, <laughs> and ass shots like am i not cool or yeah. what and yeah, yeah there's I, apparently i'm not you're sending off like sex symbol vibes through the tv screen like like ryan eternal and even don on my show and so you know some of these guys are like they're they're just they're just the S sexual beasts. Yeah, I did have um, I did have a girl uh, kiss me at the uh, um, finale, which is a funny story. Uh oh, so, why, why is now Raylene and you were together at the time? Am I wrong? Yeah, so Raylene was there. So she's real happy about that. <laughs> so we're, we're probably at the finale, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and then we get invited to the actual Ink Master party, and uh, Clean's upset about that because he's rolling deep, right? He's got his whole car club there. A lot of people brought a lot of people. Oh, he can't get everybody in. We're only allowed to bring one person, which was fine with me. I only had my wife, and I was fine, and I, I got to go drink. And now it's like the first time I'm hanging out with some of the editors, meeting a lot of people, and they told me a bunch of the stories about editing that scene of, of the Mike Rubinow and blah, 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 and I'm having a good time. And uh, But but the, before that even happens, once we realize we're only allowed to have one person with us at this party, which was you know like on uh, Spike TV's budget, and it was, it was pretty nice. Right. And uh, we decide we're going to go to some Irish pub after that and do the after party, after party. 
So we all announce it in our social medias. And then sure enough, the place is blowing up. And all these people, like a lot of the people that were like the, the canvases are drinking there and different people and their friends. And and um, I guess there's a girl in the back and uh, she, I think she was like friends with the canvas or she was a canvas. I think that's what Emily told me because she kind of saw them, was sitting by them, mm -hmm. tattooed them. And uh, they, she came up with this plan that she's gonna she's gonna get a kiss from me before she leaves, and I'm really, like you said, like by that time of the night, I'm pretty drunk, and uh, I uh, well, and, and at the same time, I'll set this up. You're married to Raylene now, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't a fling relationship. Okay, go on. Yes, yeah, so I got I got Raylene with me, and uh, it's obvious that I, I have a date. So um, and. Uh, but uh, she she decides, yeah, and I'm grinning ear to ear, like I said, I got my Cheshire cat smile, I'm just feeling the pain, having a good time, maybe dancing around, and I feel feel my beard get grabbed, and I feel lips land on my lips, right? So who else do I think that could be? That could only be one person. Yeah, of course, it's Raylene, or it's Dave Navarro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and then I kind of realized this is not my wife, and then she, so she's kind of doing like a kiss and run, and uh <laughs> she did you a kiss by she's on her way out and her girls are following her and Raylene comes like running after her and i and we're it's it's cold it's in new york and i grab her by the hood and she's doing this like scrappy do like I'll, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> and i uh and i like i was like come on babe don't make don't call us the scene don't make a fight i was like i was like just let me have my moment i was like really yeah, easy for you to say how, how would you handle it if Raylene, if, if some, some big stud just walks up to her and lays one on her? Yeah, I'd probably be pissed, but. <laughs> so anyways, moving. So you were, you were holding her back though. But the how, how... Was, is that really was my moment. Like I never, like that was probably the, the most, like that was the finale and that was the most, like the biggest point. And then there was never really like fangirls like going crazy over me, you know? So that was, and she kind of understood like, all right, that, that was the one crazy time, and that was it. And it never really happened again. Right on. She, yeah, so obviously, she's forgiven you for it. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Oh, your uh, your sexiness, Brad. Come on. Yeah. That that uh, that love light that you've been shining. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need a dimmer switch. Right. <laughs> she's like, dim it down tonight, motherfucker. I can sense the whores out. There's some whores in this house. There's some hope, but anyways, uh, I believe I may have sufficiently stayed too long and said too much. Yeah, we're on uh, hour 43 minutes. Yeah, not bad. Easy editing. I'm getting better at this, man. Even teased a little bit of the Ink Master before we did the, the beginning. I'm feeling pretty proud of it. I feel like it was a good episode. Good on it. Well, brother, I look forward to seeing you again. Enjoy the time off. I know we don't we're not you're not doing minneapolis is that right i am doing minneapolis oh you are doing it oh yeah because we talked i'm gonna see if i can't find me a, a, a um snowboard and hey, if anybody wants to go fund me a snowboard by all by all means yeah I'm to snowboard on monday after uh minneapolis and i'm also going to try to do that i'm definitely doing that in philly afterwards if people want to come i want to i want to make here's here listen to this so the way uh the way it goes down with mark and and snowboarding and i like to snowboard so i, I say hey you want to go snowboarding in minneapolis and he's like yeah yeah i'm already pretty much i'm down with that and then um i say what how, what you gonna do about a board you know i don't have one 
So I'm going to have to try and look into one. Uh, and he says, oh, you can just get one of those rentals. Of course. Yeah, of course. And I'm like, really? You you will ride on one of those fucking tank ass unwaxed pieces of shit that they have for rent? And your reply was, oh, no, I'm going to bring my own board. Just Kyle, that's good enough for you. <laughs> that is i don't I'm, I'm paraphrasing there i don't think you said it that quite so bitingly right yeah but i want to be able to glide i don't want to be you, you're everybody waiting down for me at the bottom of the hill so, so we can take the lift ticket up or whatever you're like damn kyle you take forever all right then you're a rental guy <laughs> no 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 i'm gonna get me a board gonna get i can't i've already tried those rentals are like tanks if, when was the last time you rented a board I've definitely done it before, and yeah, they're they're usually like a few years old model, and they got pretty beat up, and yeah, you want your own board, yeah, and your own wax, yeah. But enough of that, brother. It's been great talking to you. I look forward to seeing you in Minneapolis. Let's give some plugs too, though. What is what's your Instagram handle? It's Mark Longnecker. Don't forget the E. It's like Long E Necker. Long E Necker. Or, or as we are doing our yoga poses. There's we get Mark the long Lone end necker, right? And there's also Mark at Mark Lone Necker Yoga if you want to follow my yoga journey. There's also the elusive selected long necker, the DJ. I got my own page for that. And you can scroll down. Selecta. We didn't even talk about your DJing I know. skills. The uh, dub. We'll get into a, a second episode with that, though, brother. And you can also just go to the page if you want to and scroll down and see all the people I've, I've DJed with and opened for and. DJ with Vanilla Ice and all this fun stuff. And, and what was that like? What, explain what's. I mean, he's there in Florida, right? Is that where you seen him? Yeah, I got the DJ for him when he came and uh, did a after party for the boat races here in Cocoa Beach, and that was that was pretty amazing. I was, Is he a dick? Is he cool? No, he's amazing. He's awesome. I mean, he's he's got a great story. He's like probably one of these most successful guys from that time period and that time era. Still, that's still going, you know, and the TV show and healthy and. He's great energy, and I love him. I still haven't tattooed him yet. And you, uh, you talk to him still or not? Uh, yeah, I, tried, I just tried to tattoo him. I went to LA to see him, and I tattooed one of my my friend that was a mutual friend that used to uh, used to be his airbrusher. His name's Baba. Okay, and they're like two brothers, Baba and Odie. So he actually at Jonathan Shaw's shop way back in the day. So dropping some old. That's school. a big name there. Right. Uh, that was yeah. in Jersey, am I wrong? It's in New York, so he had like a... Or had, right on the Coney Island, though, right? Uh, I don't think it was Coney Island, but he had a... So it was illegal to tattoo in New York at that time, and he had a full-on, just like full-on tattoo shop. He didn't care. And um, <laughs> Right on. And Bob was tattooing there, and Vanilla Ice would go there and try to get tattooed by Jonathan Shaw. All the, all the rock stars and celebrities were getting tattooed by him, Johnny Depp and blah, blah, blah. So uh, Vanilla Ice goes there, meets Baba, gets tattooed by him because Jonathan's busy. They form a relationship, wants him to airbrush his jacket, then he wants him to airbrush his overalls, then he wants him to airbrush his backup dancer's overalls. No, then these are things that we have all seen, too. Yeah, I actually heard I of mean, him. I had him. I used to have him hanging up in the old shop. The, a pair that was worn by Vanilla Ice? Yeah, or by his backup dancer. And, okay. Uh, so yeah, he got to go on tour uh, and with and be on the payroll and and be with Nancy Hammer and tour all over the world with him. So he introduced me to Vanilla Ice back then, um, or, or no? He 
I, I didn't I didn't know Vanilla Ice yet, but he Vanilla Ice came to Mario Bar show, the the biggest show on the earth, or biggest tattoo show. Remember that one? Uh yeah, it was that when he he did a show in Vegas and in Atlantic City, right? Or he so originally he was started it in uh in New Jersey, okay. and uh, Mario Barth also used to tattoo uh, Vanilla Ice, and so Vanilla Ice came to the convention. And, was, and I got outside, no one ever introduced myself, and then I just went back to tattooing. And then he came to the bar afterwards, and I basically had a, a full-on, like, b-boy breakdown thing against him, like, contest where I challenged him to to see who could do more backspins. No, and, you went up and served Vanilla Ice? Yeah. And, and is that hilarious? Because that is also, you could get a serving of Vanilla Ice. Yeah. And, <laughs> But it got it got pretty crazy. Like it started with me asking about backspins, and I had my boombox with me. Like back in those days, you know, I would like go to the booth with my boombox and all my CDs. So I had all that stuff with me. I was uh, I'd take it back to the to the room, you know. So I put on some some b-boy music and started doing my up rock, right? Yeah. Rock and swinging my arms in his face and grabbing my crotch a couple times, and then I went down. And- <laughs> He counted how many backspins I did, and then and then he went down, and then he did more, and I went down, and I did more, and then uh, I turned into a full-on breakdance circle. And who and, who uh, wins? All right, so this is the best part. So like then I, I remember I went down, and I kind of hurt my thumb, and it started swelling, and I was like, well, that sucks. I started this full-on breakdance circle, and now Baba and Odie and everyone, like even like some of the guys in the kitchen from the hotel were getting off work, like Mexican kids were out there breakdancing, and it turned into a full-on breakdance circle in the uh, lobby of the hotel. And awesome. Everyone, no security doesn't care because they're just excited that Vanilla Ice is there, you know. And Vanilla yeah. Ice, is buying this, this seems like the kind of thing that you would want to break out if your security to happen. Yeah, and you would not. Yeah, you don't get in the way of that. You're like, oh my god, yeah. you know how boring my job is most nights. Well, yeah. tonight, if it was just drunken tattoo artist breakdancing, they would have like stopped us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a different story. So I um. I, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, what else do I got? What else, what other move can I do that I can't, that I don't have, have to use my thumb? My thumb's like swelling and, and, um, I'm probably at that point where I have the chest higher cat smile. I'm really not feeling any pain. And I, uh, I say to him, I say, Hey, what about the suicide flip? I was like, you remember that move? He's like, yeah, I don't think we should do it. You know, especially you, we were, we've been drinking too much and it's a dangerous, dangerous move. And I was like, whatever. I, this I is like the, the Blades of Glory <laughs> move, then, right? Where they yeah. cut the guy's head off and the spin. Anyways, what what is a what kind of flip suicide flip? It doesn't. Say, yeah, it sounds dangerous. Yeah, so you kick your leg out in front of you. You kick it up, and then you use that momentum as you're swinging it back to flip all the way over. Like to there's different ways you can land in like a breakdance position, or yeah, you can or land- a splits position, kind of a lot of times. Or you land on your back and actually take and absorb the fall, like actually like look like you smashed your back. Yeah, which yeah, lot, which lot takes of, a lot of skill and timing, though. Yeah, it's like a judo throw, like where you can like you can land right and like you, you got to be able to, to take it, or you're gonna hurt yeah. your back. And, yeah, and if you're drunk, you could really mess that one up. Okay, I go on. Suicide I, flip. I do it, and and I and I try to do the one where you really impress somebody to look like you hurt yourself, but not hurt yourself. But I did hurt myself. And I my back really bad, and everyone knew it. And I had like a punk rock belt with the studs, and that all smashed into my back, my chain, all that stuff back in the day. And and uh, he's like, "Are you okay? You know, you, didn't, you didn't, don't get up too fast." And he's really right. right. And my, my and concerned, and uh, 
And then uh, one of the photographers runs over. She's uh, a, a hot photographer that used to uh, shoot for Casey back in the day, uh, Michelle Osborne. Uh, okay. She's beautiful. And uh, she's like, she's like, Mark, that was great. Um, but I didn't get it on the camera. Can you do it again? <laughs> He said, please don't do it again. And like, I'm thinking I can barely get up, but then I'm visualizing I'm on the cover of this tattoo magazine, like mid flipping the air and Vanilla Ice is like standing next to me. Like, I got to do it again. So I do it again and, and same results. And, and uh, I hurt my back just, just a little even more. It's like a really dramatic fall. It was really loud. And, and um, uh, you fuck it up even worse this time. Yeah. I'm just smashing the hell out of my back. And I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, did you get the picture? And she's like, I don't know, maybe we should do it one more time. And he's like, please don't do it again. And uh, and I do it again. And I and I and now I'm like, everyone's really concerned that I'm just like going to be in the hospital. I'm going to be paralyzed. Is this on a Friday or Thursday or Saturday or Sunday? This is the first day of tattooing, so it's Friday night. <laughs> so you got work tomorrow, too. Broken <laughs> back and all. And uh and um, so now, now it's like a scene out of our fight club, right? Remember that scene where he's like just beating himself up to the point where the owner of the place like gives up and says, okay, stop beating yourself up. You can, you can, you guys can fight here. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's like the same thing. I kind of like look up at him and he's like, just stop, Mark. Just stop with this nonsense and suicide flip. You're going to be in the hospital. I was like, I'll stop as soon as you say that I, I won and I beat you in this B-boy contest. He's like, yeah, sure. Yes. And uh, I was like, everyone heard that, right? I won, right? And everyone's cheering for me and laughing. And uh, Percy won against against Rob Van Winkle. Exactly. So <laughs> I go back to my room, and I'm and I wake up and I tell my my buddy who's tattooing in the booth with me who went to bed early. I'm like, bro, you messed the best night ever. And he's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, walking around like a hunchback and right, black and blue, and I got a swollen thumb. And I was like, no, it's great. It was the best night ever. And, and then he's like, yeah, right, that's crazy. That's, I can't believe I missed all that. And as soon as I, we walk into the uh, convention, immediately, yeah, Longnecker, I heard about you beating Vanilla Ice in the B-Boy contest at the hotel. You know, the whole convention knew about it. And it was, sick. It was and, worth it then or not? Yeah, of course it was worth it. Like, was that? <laughs> <laughs> and, How was uh, your thumb? You had to tattoo. How yeah. was your back end thumb? I just, I just, I, I got myself through it. It was, it, was, it was uh swollen and black and blue, but I did it and it was worth it. Adapt and overcome, huh? Uh-huh. Love it. Well, um, that was my first of many interactions with Vanilla Ice. He's he's awesome. And, but you still haven't got a chance to tattoo him yet, huh? I still haven't tattooed him. Yeah, it's, it's on my bucket list. And, it, and I look he, forward to hearing about when you do. Yeah. We gotta have more stories, I guess. You got more stories of vanilla ice then too. Yeah, of course. When I when is that I, the craziest one? Who who have you met uh down there in Florida as well? Like surfing on the waves. You ever met anybody out there? Brad Pitt come out. He's like, oh, we're doing some surfing out here. I ran into Kelly Slater here in Cocoa Beach. She's best surfer. No. Wait a second. Are you talking about the greatest athlete that's ever lived, Kelly Slater? Yep, I'm talking about 13-time world champion. Kelly Slater. Yeah, Kelly Slater. I actually know nothing about Kelly Slater. I only know that you uh you have a man crush of sorts on him he, he was he was painted you painted him on your old shop am i wrong yeah he's on the new shop too we transferred the painting over us I, I was just securing it for the hurricane this morning the painting yeah painted him many times Local awesome 
Is this one he's drinking the Fosters as well? Yeah, yeah he paddled out and um, after he won in Australia, he paddled out with a uh, celebratory Fosters can in his mouth while, as he's paddling. And then and then he paddles for a barrel. And then you don't see him. He's deep in the barrel. As he comes out of the barrel, he's slamming it. So that's a famous picture of him slamming the ball. And, and then that may be one of the greatest. That is why he's the greatest athlete. Because somehow he was able to fit a Foster's can in his mouth. Well, yeah, I guess he was biting onto the, the top of it or something. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because and he duck dived or he all his way out there. Yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, it- it was just like he just did it as a celebratory, like I'm gonna slam this one beer, and probably that was the only beer. I don't know. Right, but, but then he got the barrel too. Yeah, he, he's and comes out of it slamming the beer. Like Iconic probably, moment. Most of the drinks that he's had are the champagne being spilled on him or the beers being sprayed on him. Like he's he really is a true athlete and takes care of himself and doesn't abuse alcohol. Oh, if he's not a big foster guy, he was he's probably sponsored by him though. Eh? No. He, he would never have a beer sponsor. He's super healthy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I only get uh, news from Kelly Slater from Beach Grit. Are you familiar with Beach Grit, the online new, uh, surfer magazine? No. All right. Everything they write, though, is this huge sarcasm, tongue-in-cheek. Um, and you never know where the article's really coming from. It's so... Yeah, I have no real Kelly Slater news. But on that, that definitely once I once I start trying to pontificate about Kelly Slater, then I've definitely stayed too long and said too much. But I look forward to catching up with more uh vanilla LA stories on episode two, brother. Well, here we are coming up on two hours. I hope people enjoyed it. I hope people are still listening. I hope people haven't changed to the uh Matt Clemmer podcast yet, but definitely go there. It's good. <laughs> But definitely do too. If 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 you guys are looking for a podcast, if you made it this long, if you're looking for podcasts, uh, especially tattoo related ones, uh, Tattoo Guardians, and I think if you watch them on YouTube, they may appreciate it more. And if you're if you're driving somewhere, that's when I listen to these podcasts. Me too. That's why I don't I don't care for the YouTube so much. But I I understand that I think YouTube spending money you, you make money on YouTube possibly easier than this i just do this for fun so who who fucking knows but um if you're trying to you know some these things are if you if you try and make a quality podcast then you're going to invest something into it so i'm not trying to make a quality podcast we're just trying to have fun but thank you everyone gratitude gratitude rivers of flowing gratitude to everyone if you made it this far in the podcast you're still listening uh, please uh, shoot me a DM and tell me you enjoyed it or leave a comment and uh, on the page. Now, now you're making my audience play up to something. Like now I look back, it's no one calls you. It's like, Kyle, you got a worthless audience. So okay. if you have made it this long, please do. And and Mark, uh, be careful uh, uh, today, obviously, with, as the weather's coming in. Stay off, stay off your board. All right. Hopefully uh, uh, Nicole isn't too, uh, too bad to us. We hope. Take care, brother. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.